Good morning, church family. Uh, This morning's text comes out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, and it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have been given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you have learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of God. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, as we consider your word, as we consider what you've done in our past and and as we consider what you're going to do for us uh, in the future, I pray that we be a humble people that would um, come under the authority of your word, that we would be open um, to the shepherd that's going to lead us this morning and and the words that Aaron has to share um, for us, for this body, for this family as we grow up and walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you called us, Lord. I pray that for all of us who have come into this place, whether we've come with different emotions of hardship or joy or suffering, that we would, in, in humility and in faithfulness, come before our loving Daddy, come before your throne this morning, that we would be renewed through the power of your word as it's proclaimed to the people that are yours. Lord, we are your people. We want to acknowledge and proclaim um, the greatness for who you are and what you've done in our lives here this morning. We ask that um, of this message as we um, receive what you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jason. Uh, if, uh, if you're a first-time guest to Church Project, excuse me, John. Good job, man. If you're a first-time guest of First Project, we're glad that you are here today. And we have Bibles over on on both sides of the lamps. It's imperative to have a Bible in front of you. So if you don't own a Bible, that can be our gift to you. Take it home. And for those of you that take one home every week, bring a few back. Uh, But we want you to have that. That's our gift to you. We are going through Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Um, It's important to have that Bible in front of you. I'm telling you, uh, this is going to be a powerful passage for each and every one of us today. Like This is one of those passages that maybe if you've read it a hundred times in your life, you can kind of get numb to the words of it, and you go, oh, I know this one, and you kind of, if you ever do this, you're reading the Bible, and you're like, oh, I've, I've read this verse before, or this passage before, so you just kind of, oh yeah, that's a good one, and then you move on, and you kind of go through it, but all along, we just kind of bypass some incredible truth. Well, part of walking expository through Scripture, which means we're just going verse by verse all the way through the book of Ephesians, part of us doing that means that we're able to get the context of what's happening, who's writing the book, who they're writing it to, and what that message means for us today in the year 2015. It's 2015, right? Okay. What that means for us today. And when we do that, 
And if we do that with all of our hearts, it doesn't matter where you're at with God right now in this place, but if you show up today and you say, God, here I am, show me. Show me who you are. Show me the the truth of Scripture. Teach me something about you today. He'll speak to every single one of us in this place. Guarantee it. So welcome. I'm excited for this passage. You ready to get into it? Let's get into it. All right, here we go. Thank you, Jason, for reading it. If you've noticed, there's a couple things that are happening at Church Project. One, we only have two rows, two sections. That shook some people up today. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to get you out of the comfort zone. The other thing is we're having people read the passage before, so I don't have to, because you have you realize that I'm a terrible reader, and so I stumble. So, Jason, thank you for reading that passage wherever you are, bud. Let's, let's jump into this. As we're looking at Ephesians, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, uh, in fact, from the beginning of Ephesians, the first three chapters, what it talks about are the things of God, doctrine of God, who God is. Important stuff. Like We move and we think according to what we think about who God is. And so the first three chapters of Ephesians is Paul writing to the, he's writing in, in house arrest in Rome, and he's writing to the church of Ephesus, and he's telling them the things of God. In this beautiful letter. And he's saying, I'm a prisoner to this message. Not like, I'm a prisoner, I can't go, I'm not free. Well, he actually is. But he's a prisoner because it's so compelling. The message is so compelling. He's so in love with God. There's been such a transformation in his own life that he can't help but not write this letter. Like, he's got to write this letter. This message, this gospel love message is so compelling that he writes it to us. And then the first three chapters are the things of God and the doctrine. And then we begin to go through the next three chapters of Ephesians. And we entered it um, last week, a couple weeks ago, as we hit chapter 4, 5, and 6. And this is now like our response to everything that, that Paul has talked about. Last week, we had a great conversation. And we talked about the Christian church. We talked about us, the people in the church, and how to move together in unity and not dissension. Like, we can create a lot of drama in church, can't we? Yeah, if you've grown up in church, you know there can be a lot of drama in this place. And I think it's kind of pathetic. But you have to look at our cards that we have back here, and on the back of the cards it says, we want to change the way people see Christ, Christians, in the church. The fact that we have to say that as a church in this day and age is so pathetic. Like, the church is the most vibrant thing alive. In the church, we should be alive and we shouldn't be in dissension. We should be in unity. So the passage last week was beautiful. This week, what we're going to talk about is going to hit some of us in a very, very personal way because now Paul turns and he begins to write and he begins to ask some very personal questions and he begins to remind us of a beautiful, beautiful truth. Like when God's love grips you and the Holy Spirit grips you and he seeks after you and finds you and overwhelms you with his love, it changes everything. Some of us today, we might need to be reminded of that. His love changes everything in our life. I look at this passage, and I see a great hope in this passage. As a follower of of God, a Christian, as I follow Jesus, and and I try to serve Him and and live my life for Him, it's a great hope. But also, some people may read this, this passage right here, and it could be one of the saddest passages they've ever heard. It could be some of the, the worst news they've ever heard. Like if we read these passages right here, it's one of the saddest set of verses in Scripture. And why? I can, I can name some people who are extremely unhappy, empty, depressed, filled with anxiety, unsatisfied. Can you? 
Maybe some of us in this place right now, that's us. And this is, this is hard stuff to carry in life. And some people that I know, they, they've really tried, they've tried everything in, in, in this world to fill this void or to fill or to find joy. They've tried everything. And by the way, it's not money because I've been some, around some, some millionaires that I've, I've said, you are some of the saddest, emptiest people ever. So it's, it's not money. Often what we do in American culture and often what we do in the church even is we begin to treat symptoms. We, we put band-aids on gapping cuts. I mean, just we have huge cuts. We're bleeding everywhere. We come and we put a band-aid on it saying, it's okay. And for people that don't know the transforming love of Jesus Christ in their life, it's like they're putting band-aids on their, their gaping wounds and saying, maybe this will fix. Maybe, maybe if I win the Super Bowl, this will fix. Maybe if I get a new car, this will fix. Maybe if I, maybe if I, maybe if I. And all along, it's just empty, void, dull, numb. Paul's writing this church, this young church in Ephesus about how they should think and how they should live. And he's reminding them, and he's writing us today, and he's saying, hey, church, church project, in year 2015, this is how we should think. This is how we should live. And he gets to the core of us, and he talks to us in this passage about our hearts and our minds. Our hearts and our minds. So let's look at it. Look at it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord. That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. What's the word for futility mean? Anyone? What's the word futility mean? I know this is like a monologue, but can we have a dialogue? What's futility mean? Is this awkward? Lauren said never ask questions, by the way. What's futility? What? Hopeless. Hopeless. Meaningless. Meaningless. Empty. Empty. Futility. You're saying... Let's talk about this word. The, the, the Gentiles were morally careless. I mean, they, they, they were morally careless. We see it by people trying to find, and in our lives today, we see it by people trying to find purpose and joy apart from Christ. All their efforts and their musings are in vain. Chasing after bank accounts and entertainment, hobbies, physical accomplishments, looking good like me. Oh, I always get Snickers, I know. But some of us don't know better. Like some of us, maybe it's even, it's, it's in our heritage. I'm reminded when I was studying this and kind of going through this of 1 Peter 1.18. 1 Peter 1.18 says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Some of us, we just don't even know better. And it, was, and, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. And some of us, we don't know better. We've even been grown, we've grown up in a church, and, and we kind of go, okay, church, we're going to come here, and, and we're going to be filled, and we're going to let the professionals speak into our life, and, and we're just going to come here and do this. And all along, we're not thinking for ourselves, and we're not living in love with God. And Paul is sitting here, and he's writing us, and he's saying, um, we can love God. And it's got to start in our minds, not just in the futility of our thinking. Look, look at this first. So now that I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, but then it continues and it says they are 
What does your Bible say? Mine says darkened. They are darkened in their understanding. Just picture that in your mind. Darkened in their understanding. They do not understand. They are, oh, this is a scary word. Look at this one. They're alienated from the life of God because of what? Ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. Let's stop right there and let's begin to talk about this. Darkened in their understanding. If you need a great example for this, and I'm sorry, math teachers, but darkening in their understanding was like every math class I took in high school. No idea what you're talking about. What? Like, I hear words. What do you say? Like, I, beyond my comprehension. Did not get it. But the Gentiles and the futility of their thinking, because the hardness of their heart, they're dark, darkened in their understanding of God. They're ignorant of the things of God. What's this word? Ignorance. As we look at it in this context, and we look at Paul, he's writing to the new church saying, think of the things of God. And he's saying, the Gentiles, they're ignorant. Well, what is this word? Ignorant. Well, in this context, sit up for this, because it's maybe not what you think. A lot of us, we get into this performance-based Christianity, and we think, okay, maybe there's these keys, that, this code that we can unlock, and we can find God. Like, what, what's that secret magic code, and what's, that, what's the knowledge that I can gain to fully understand him and earn my salvation? And Paul's going, no, 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 no. Okay, this ignorance that he's talking about right here in this passage, ignorance usually means a lack of knowledge. Do you agree? You're ignorant. You're so ignorant. You don't know. Lack of knowledge. Paul's writing it right here, and what he's implying by using this word ignorant in this context, he's implying a refusal to know. Like a choice. The Gentiles have said, God, who's that? I'm, it's not that I'm ignorant, I don't understand. I literally am choosing not to see God. Do you understand this? Do you see this? As Paul's writing, he's saying, here's the word. It implies a refusal to know. See, knowledge, this cognitive content. And we see Paul right here, and he's saying and they're sinful in their ignorance. God is not saying you are separated until you crack this special code. He's saying their minds They've chosen to completely ignore the things of God in this world and in this life. Do you know anyone like this? Are we like this, even in aspects of our life? I am. Like, I know. <laughs> I, I do this all the time still. Sorry, I'm imperfect. Believe it or not, right? I, I still do this. I know the speed limit's 55. I can go 59 because I get grace period. But then I'm like late, so I can go 63. And, you know, so I'm, I'm always pushing the boundary all the time. And that's just a poor example. But it is an example of how all the time I'm pushing the envelope in life. And sometimes, sometimes I know directly that God is speaking to me. He's talking to me. He's telling me things. But I just kind of boycott that, that thought. I don't remember it. I choose not to hear it. If I don't acknowledge it and don't look at it, it's like I'm trying not to make eye contact with God because then I've got to actually respond. Do we ever do this with our lives? We hear, we know, we feel the prompting, but yet we just kind of go, oof, set it over here to the side. Paul is writing, he's saying they're, they're, they're futile in the think, they're, they're futile in their thinking, they don't understand. Their hearts are hardened, they're ignorant, they don't understand, they're darkened in their understanding. Well, what does ignorance produce? 
And as we look at it in this passage, and one of the things I love about going through this expository teaching thing is this, is subtly, what are you doing? You are learning and you are seeing how to study Scripture on your own. So at two in the morning, you can grab Scripture. And you can begin to go through it. And you can find who's teaching and what and what's the circumstance and how. So as we begin to look at this, look at when it says hardness of heart and callous. Well, what does ignorance produce? It produces a hardness of heart and it produces individuals that are calloused. Like I used to be a tough man and have calluses on my hands. And now I'm just a wimp. I don't even have it. We got some tough guys in here. Let's hear some grunts, guys. Arr! No. Where's all the tough guys? Jason, come on, man. Arr! Arr, yeah. I'm getting calloused right here on this hand, right here, right here, because of disc golf, right? You know what I'm saying, pal? Like callous, you know? But they're talking about people that are calloused of heart. That's layers and layers of thick skin before you get to any feeling whatsoever. And Paul's talking. His heart is breaking for people because they are calloused of heart. They don't understand God. Their ways are darkened. They're ignorant to the things of God. And his heart's breaking in prison as he's writing the church. And he's saying, young church, don't become that. And it's easy for us as we go through our mundane life or our exciting life to get calloused to the things of God as we just go about our days, day in and day out. And we're thinking of the things of God. All along, getting our hearts hardened, our lives calloused from the one that loves, from the one that sacrificed everything for us, from the one that is forgiven, that saves, redeems, from the one that injects hope into dark places. It's this hardness of heart, one of the scariest positions of anyone anywhere is that have a hardened heart. Would you agree? Have you ever come across someone that just has a hard heart? They're not receptive to positive words. They're not receptive to love. They're not receptive to any kind of instruction. Sometimes they're not receptive to a fist bump. How can you reject a fist bump? Like hardness of heart. To lose sensitivity. To lose empathy. To lose care. We've all lived it at times, and we've all seen it at times. God designed every human on planet Earth to have a receptive heart for Him with moral guidance in Him. That's how we're designed. God says there's not a person on the face of the earth that is without excuse. I am going about the earth and I am pursuing humanity like there's an emptiness in humans, and I am the only thing that will fill that. Yet we begin to harden our heart, yet we turn, then we turn again, then we turn again, and it gets easier, it gets easier, and it gets easier. I mean, think about, think about a childhood thing that you did. You knew it was wrong, right? Stole that cookie, did that thing, whatever it may be. You're like, okay, let's just go into a fictitious story of how we we're all bad boys and girls, and we stole a cookie out of the cookie jar, Right? Sneak into the kitchen. Can you picture it in your head? Do we need to close our eyes? Sneak into the kitchen. We see that cookie jar. Wait, do we hear mom? Crouch down. Go to that cookie jar. Grab that cookie. Man, your heart's thumping, right? You know, you shouldn't steal that cookie. You steal that cookie. And it was hard for you to steal that cookie, but man, it was great too. It's chocolate chip. 
Next week, we go back. We kind of approach a little more, you know, I got away with it last time. Pretty soon, you're going back, and you're just like, hey, mom, in front of her, you're stealing cookies. Like, we get callous. It gets easier. We turn, we turn, and turn over and over again, and we get hardened of heart, and we can all do this. In the smallest of our life to the biggest of our life, we can do this. That thing that's off limits feels wrong, and for the first time, it felt very wrong, and then before long, it's a thrill, and it's an addiction. It doesn't even seem wrong anymore. We're numb to the emptiness of the things that goes against God. I was in, in a wonderful, great place filled with a lot of great morals and good living examples called Las Vegas. And I don't remember why we were there, but I, I just have this tendency of waking up very early in the morning. I just, I just do this. It's, it's a bad habit. Don't get into it. It requires lots of coffee when you do it this. So I woke up very early in the morning, and I don't remember which casino we were staying in. I think we were just driving through or something and, and uh, found a cheap hotel room. So we were staying in this casino, and I walked down, and they have inside this casino, if you've ever been there, it's like a whole main street, buildings, all sorts of stuff. Air conditioning was great. It was the middle of summer, so I wanted to stay in the casino. And I, so I sat at this little cafe thing. It was like this French cafe thing, ordered, ordered a coffee, and there was no one in the casino, except a few people. And I could see, I could see the polar things. I think the night before, I, I like put a quarter in just to say I bet or something. I don't know. But I, I could see no one around except a few people pulling their thing. And, and I'm thinking they look terrible. Like, they've been there all night long. They're exhausted. I mean, it's like... You know, 5.30 in the morning, you need to go to bed, sir. But you're, you're, you keep, you're just stuck. You're just here. You're numb. You're not even thinking anymore. I'm like, bro, give me that quarter. Please, hand over the quarter. Like, give it to me. And so this guy's just sitting there, and he's just pulling this thing. And I'm just watching him, and my heart's breaking for him in this place. Just saying, is this your hope? I know nothing about you, so I'm not going to assume you don't know hope. But as you look right now, you look hopeless. You look like maybe this quarter is going to give you hope as you pull this thing and money comes spouting out. And my heart's breaking. It's breaking for him. It's breaking for me. Because when I do those stupid things in life as well. But it's breaking for humanity. And I can imagine as Paul's writing this letter to the Ephesus, the early church, his heart's breaking. And he's saying, listen, I know what it means to have a hardness of heart. I used to kill Christians. I know what it means. I know what it means to be calloused, and I hated myself when I was calloused. The Paul that's in jail that's, that's tied up right now, that's a Paul that's free because I have a message of love that I want to give to the world. And so I gladly, in these chains, write this message to you, early church, Christians, and my warning, my empathy, my plea, my cry is this. Don't get hardened of heart. Don't get calloused. Focus on the things of God. Jeff, that's a good place for an Amen. I gave you seven to use. You've only used one because I made you. You have six more to get in. That's an amen. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, For from it flows the springs of life. Keep your heart, church. Keep your heart close to the things of God to the person of Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. 
Peter 3.34 says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be in the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Then we encounter these beautiful words of Jesus in Scripture. You know, Jesus, the whole thing, the whole guy we're trying to follow right here as Christians, we encounter some beautiful words in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Pharisees are looking at him saying, teacher, what's the greatest of law? You've, you've said a lot. What's the greatest of law? And what does Jesus say at this time? What does he say? He says, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Church, are we protecting our heart? There's so much we can pull out of this. There's so much I would love to talk about right now. I mean, I, that's why house churches are so important. Please go to a house church. I, I implore you, get in a house church. Open up scripture. Talk about it. Because I'm only hitting highlights for this little passage right here. There's so much we can talk about. So, with that being said, I'm going to skip down to verse 20. Verse 20 says, But that... But that, all those kinds of ways that you lived, like just, just read back, look at verse 19 alone. All those kinds of ways that you live. But that is not the way you learned from Christ. You, you didn't learn that from Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught about him as the truth is in Jesus. He's saying that, that's not the way that you learned from Christ. In fact, in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, some beautiful words, says this. Come to me. Come to me. All who favor and are heavy laden, and I will, I will give you rest. Jesus is talking. These are the words of Jesus. Come to me. All, oh, if you're heavy, I will give you rest. Come, my yoke upon you. Take it and learn from me. And Jesus is talking to every one of us, and he is saying, I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Anyone say, sign me up for this? To be gentle, lowly of heart, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And these are the words of Jesus Christ to us, his church. Sign me up for that. I want to live a life. Gentleness, love, easy yoke. Burdens are just light. As I keep my eyes focused on Christ, Paul's writing his church, and he's reminding us to do this thing. Keep our heart to him, our focus on him. Look at verse 22. We're almost done. Come on, Carter, shake it up, bro. Hey, you're not asleep, but someone over here is, so don't worry about it, okay? Hey, pick it on you. Come on. Look at, look at verse 22. Verse 22 says, what does it say? Put off your old self. Verse 23 says, put on your new self like God. I think about the old self. You ever get a piece of information that just completely changes your life? Like revolutionizes the way that you think, like completely shifts the way that you think. That piece of information changed everything. Mine was on the dashboard of my car. You know? You know the dashboard of your car? And specifically the gas tank. You know that gas tank where that full, empty, okay? 
I just learned this two years ago, so if you don't learn anything from church today, maybe this will help you, okay? There's an arrow there that tells you what side your tank is on. Look at it. It's on every car. It blew my mind. I just learned it like two years ago. An arrow says, hey, idiot, gas tank is on the driver's side, or gas tank is on. I, mean, I don't know how many times I'm rolling down the window, looking, or I'm getting out and going, dang it, kicking it. I just learned this. It's revolutionized the way that I think. Hey, I just saved you some time, and whoever did that to me, I owe them a lot of time in my life. I think back, where was this information years ago, and especially where was it when I was 16? Oh, my first car. Ford Mustang, don't worry, it was an 82 hatchback, nothing fancy. Man, first time I'm going to go put in gas, and I pull, I pull, now I live in a small country town, by the way, can I just say that? Big old country guys, you know, chew, spit, and you know, those kind of guys. So I pull up in my Mustang, and my slick little haircut, and I, and I jump out to put gas in, and I'm like, where's the tank? I'm like, oh, it's on the other side, so I'll put it back up, jump in the car, and what do I do, right? Like, I just literally drive around <laughs> four times. I got out. I'm like, okay. Four times. You've heard this before, but this is just a stupid little shit. These cowboys are in there just laughing. And this was before, like, when people actually trusted you, where you could get gas first, and then you had to go pay inside. And this is the first time I thought about stealing anything. I'm like, I'm not going in there to face those cowboys that have been laughing at me, going around in circles, just because I'm an idiot. Where was that arrow information back then? That really could have helped. It's changed me completely. We look at this scripture and Paul is saying, that old self, that old self's dead. That old self's gone. Like, it's going to revolutionize the way that you think. Like, you can't even think that way anymore. Like, for me to pull up to a gas tank now and get on the wrong side, it's because I, I don't even know. I'm not even me anymore. Like, do you get this? Paul is saying that old self is gone, but that new self in verse 23, oh, that new self, the best part about him, that best part about her, the best part about you is you're like God. Do you see that in 23? Look at this. It's worth reading. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to, be, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. And we as his children should be smiling right now saying, this is the new me. Like God. Loved by his spirit, pursued by his spirit, forgiven constantly all the time, given grace when I do these wrong things. God loves me. It's not that old person, that old self. I've got a new piece of information that's changed everything. Paul's writing his church in very beautiful, poetic language, filled with all the passion in the world. He's saying, new church. Don't forget this. Keep your heart soft. Don't grow a hard heart. Don't become calloused. Because that's the old self. The new self is alive. You got blood pumping through your veins. You have purpose. You have meaning. You have hope. You have love. Does anyone want that? Amen. Thank you. Psalms 51.10, let's all memorize it. We're going to memorize it in this place here right now. So get your school mind on. 
Psalms 51.10, we're going to repeat it multiple times. This is our prayer. This is our memory verse. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. All right, all out loud. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I say, let's put out our hands, let's close our eyes, let's make this a prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Church, I have been praying for you this week. I've had a bad week. How about you? My perspective has not been right. (laughs) Sorry. As I was writing this message, and as I was finishing it up, actually, at four this morning, this became a prayer. I closed the Bible, I closed the theology books, I closed my computer, and I just sat there in, in quietness. I said, God, I'm not ready to give this message yet today. And I don't think I'm ready, not because of knowledge or wisdom or, or, or reading or studying, which I wasn't adequately prepared for. But I'm not ready because my heart is not ready. So from four to five, five to six, I spent time just saying, God, create in me a clean heart, a new heart. Like I want to focus on you. I want it to be about you. Not about wonderful words, but I want a soft heart. Not a calloused heart. I want to love you, and I want to love others. And church, if we can get this, if I can get this, it changes everything. Jeremy, I'm going to ask us, if you would, just close your Bible. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Christ. I just know this. You're here on purpose. Like God himself almighty pursued you to the point to bring you here today to lock eyes with you individually and tell you this, I love you. Not because of what you've done or you haven't done, but I just simply love you. Do you grab that? Do you understand that? Our actions will fall short of God every time. That's why he's a perfect and holy God, and we're not. That's why we need a Savior. Because our simple actions win against a perfect and holy God. He says, humans, I know that your hearts are callous, so I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for you, to pour out his blood on behalf of you, to pay for the sins that you've ever committed and will ever commit. Will you call out on my name? Or will you walk through your life full of pride, calloused, hardened of heart, trying to do it on your own? So I invite each of us in this room today, if you're comfortable with it, just close your eyes. And if you want to hold out your hands in front of you, just as a sign of humble submission, just have a conversation with God in this place. Authentic, real conversation. He can take it. He wants it. He desires it. Some of us, the best that we can muster up is, hey, God. Okay? It's a good start. 
Some of us, we can muster up a whole lot more of that. In fact, there's a lot more words on our lips. In fact, the Holy Spirit's been prompting in our hearts and in our minds this entire time together as his family. And there's something that he's been prodding in us. Maybe it's just, hey, child, I love you. Can you accept that love today? Can you realize that love today? Can you walk in that love today? For me, it already happened this morning. Continuing to happen. My prayer was just that I would have a clean heart. I'd be renewed in Him, by His Spirit, and that my life would be about Him and not about me. So in this place, maybe that's you. Maybe you just need to say, here's my life, God. I surrender control of it 100%. knew me. There's been areas in my life that I've gotten hard heart, and I know it. Calloused. I've gotten bitter. I've gotten upset. I've lost perspective. It's become about me and not about you. God, please soften my heart. I don't like me in this version. I want to be more like you. Just cry out to God and say, change my heart. Break my heart. Make it soft, God. Some of us, as we sit here, maybe there's a heavy burden. Well, I invite you. We can come pray. I'll be in the back. You can pray with me, or there's prayer requests. You can fill the prayer requests out and just write that. Put it in the offering box on the back left, and our elders pray for that. Like, we begin praying right away. An email goes out. We begin praying on your behalf right away. Like, you're not in this alone. Church, we're a family. There's something we can help with, we can pray about with you, then write that down. Let us know we want it. That burden is too heavy for you to carry on your own. Jesus says, here I am. I can take it. I want to ask us to go in a time of just worship right now. If you have a child in, in Project Kids, if you can quietly and quickly go retrieve that child, and come back together. And as a family, as a a large family, and as family units, we're going to worship God in this place. And so if you would stand, I'll pray for us. We can retrieve our, our, our children, come back together, and we'll continue worshiping God. God, thank you for this message. Thank you for Paul being so diligent to write while in prison to us, reminding us to have soft hearts, to keep our eyes focused on you, to be like you every day of our life. Thank you for that, God. Today, we give you our lives. We give you control of our minds. We say, God, we want to be like you. Because you are holy. You are perfect. You are love. You are hope. You are joy. And it's in this place we praise you for who you are.